Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a special Tuesday Buckeye Talk. We don't normally do a Tuesday Buckeye Talk anymore, but it's a big week with signing day. It's the Big Ten Championship game. They didn't play last week. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, but today we want to do a little something weird and fun. And the deal was we have so much to do with previewing Ohio State Northwestern and the Big Ten Championship game and with signing day coming on Wednesday that if we wanted to do this fun idea that Nathan had, we had to do an extra podcast. So that's what we're doing. Doug LaMaurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, your Cleveland.com, Ohio State coverage team. Nathan, tell the people where this idea sprouted from and why we're doing this podcast that we're doing. This is something I was introduced to last year when I joined the Cleveland.com team. Every year at the Big Ten Championship game, you know, obviously people know that we get weekly interviews with players and coaches, but the players, it's a limited number. And you're often limited in who you actually can talk to. Um, they're trying to get people who maybe certain people are requesting to bring to these Zoom interviews, or if you remember last year and years past, the Tuesday, Wednesday interviews that we go to. But they are typically, it's, it's players who play a lot. It's, it's the, the, the frontline guys or maybe the, the main reserves, but it's a limited selection of guys that you're picking from. So every year at the Big Ten tournament or the Big Ten championship game, it's open locker room after the Big Ten championship game. So you go in and we will hold a draft going into the game, usually like on the, on the, on the drive over. I think we maybe did it even before that last year because we weren't driving together, but isn't that usually like the tradition, like on the drive over, you do this. Sometimes we've done it in the press box, like at halftime of the okay. game, but yeah. Okay. Um, but like, you know, this, this, this draft where whoever was on the beat at the time, you, all three of you, you split it up and you're each taking a handful of guys, and those are the guys you're going to go to in the locker room because this is your chance to go talk to guys who were injured or guys who were true freshmen who are, are never available to us really during the season um, or guys who maybe um, 
haven't played as much as you thought and you got to go ask them if they're going to transfer like that sort of stuff. Those are the, those are the guys. It's the, it's that next tier of guys down. It's not obvious guys. So we decided that we, we can't, we're not going to have that this year. There's not going to be an open locker room at the big 10 championship game for obvious reasons. Um, we're not even going to have, we're going to be in the same room as any of these guys do. Maybe it's going to be zoom. Like it always is, but we still wanted to do this draft and we thought we'd give you a really fun behind the scenes look at how we think, but then also give us a chance to sort of talk about, this next level down of players who maybe we haven't talked about as much over the course of the season. So it's the players we wish we would talk to it again. Sometimes it's the players that like the team doesn't trust enough yet to let them talk to us. So it's like, Oh, and those are the guys you want to talk to famous. The, the, the most infamous story of this is, and, and it's both at the big 10 championship game and after bowl games. Cause those are the two times that the locker room is open after the dominant Ohio State team, the 2015 Ohio State team, beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl on January 1st, 2016, to end that run of Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bosa, like all these great players. The most infamous example of this is Ari and Bill and I had a draft. I took the first pick, and I took Torrance Gibson. And I went after this dominant Ohio State team filled with guys who were about to be picked in the NFL draft. I went and talked to the guy from Florida who was a five-star recruit who might be a quarterback, might be a receiver, who hadn't, we hadn't talked to all year. I talked to him. I wrote a story about him, and it went crazy. It was like, oh, yeah, who cares? Ezekiel Elliott, whatever. Like, that's because it's the uniqueness of it. So that's what we're doing here. We're going to do the draft. We're each going to draft five guys. The five guys that we would want to go talk to, and then we have to draft it because we have to use our resources – because if Steven says he's going to talk to a guy, well, then I'm not going to go talk to that guy. I'll go talk to somebody else. So, Nathan, we'll do snake draft. Mm-hmm. So, one, two, three, and then the, the person picking third will get the second. We'll do snake draft. Nathan, as the lead beat guy, I think you get to choose where you want to pick. Do you want the first pick? Do you want the second pick? Or do you want the third pick? Because it will be a snake draft format. This is fascinating. Um, I mean, I think <sighs> – because see, here's here's the here's the dilemma that you, when you're when you're picking guys going into this, do you want the guy who you are the most intrigued by and want to talk to, or do you want the guy who, when you write about him, is going to get the most page views? It's there is that those things are sometimes mutually exclusive. Let, well, uh, if they're too mutually exclusive, I'm not sure you're doing this right. If you're like, right. I can't wait to talk to Gavin Cup. I just no, 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 don't no, no, think no. you're but, thinking about it the right well, way. Well, because there's there's like my my number one pick is between two people. Um, I think the uh, let's frankly the, let's spend a little less time debating where Nathan should pick, and let's just have yeah, Nathan pick true. and start picking. Right. This is actually not interesting. So where right. do you want to pick, for God's sake? I'll just go. For, then I'll just go first. I'm going to go okay. first, and I'm Wait, going. Hold to, on, hold on, Stephen. Do you want to pick second, or do you want to pick third? I like picking second because okay. I know where I'm going to be at in every single round. So, well, you would know where you would be at in every round. Well, okay. no, I'm like constantly the second guy picking. I'm never going to okay. be like the first or third. Nathan, who are you picking? I'm going to take a guy who I think is, is not the obvious choice, but is the guy that I'm most intrigued by and who I think people will read about, and I'm going to take Court Williams. Because he's hurt, because he was a good talker when we talked to him on National Signing Day, because yeah. people think he might have had a role on this defense. Like, explain. All of those things. Okay. It's three, there's like three stories out of Court Williams. Steven, what do you think about that pick? Do you think that's a worthy overall 
number one pick in this draft. Yeah, it's a quality number one overall pick because he could have had a role this season. So he probably, we probably would have talked to him at some point late in the season in a normal year, just like we got Zach Harrison and Garrett Wilson later on in the year after they had established themselves. So we lost that opportunity, but also he's hurt and you want to see how things are going, but also he plays an interesting position that's kind of brand new here and people want to read about that. He wasn't in my top nine. He's hurt. He's coming back. He'll be fine. He's going to play bullet. Uh, Steven, what's your pick? My first pick is Julian Fleming. He's the number one wide receiver in the country, and he hasn't done a lot, and I want to know how he's been handling that. I mean. That's my number one pick. That's who I would pick. Because he's not hurt. He's just not playing that much. He's the number one receiver in the country. How does he feel? What's he think? We haven't talked to him at all about how all this has unfolded. We, you know, the idea of you did have that one pass thrown to you in the middle of the field that you dropped. Like, how are you handling this? Like, Garrett Wilson, as a true freshman, had a much bigger role than Julian Fleming had as a true freshman. And there seemed like there was opportunity for Julian Fleming. What was the adjustment like? Was that the second guy that you were debating between Nathan or no? Don't say who it is because you might pick him if it's not him. It was not. He was high on my list, but it was not the, the number two guy. Okay. I think Julian Fleming's a better pick than Court Williams. I, I get the Court Williams thing, but Julian Fleming's got a little more juice to it. So now you guys, the way you are going about this is making me almost rethink what I had as my order. Because I have – here's the thing. If you're just not playing because you're hurt, it's like, well, you're hurt and you'll be fine and you'll play. These other guys who are, have a little more – not, you're not exactly sure what the deal is with them. I'm a little more compelled by. Man, now I'm rethinking. I would have taken Fleming if he was on the board. All right, I get two picks. My first pick's Cam Martinez. Good pick. Where, how is the transition to full-time defense going? What's it been like? When does he think he'll be ready? What does he think of Kerry Combs? Is there any possibility that he still could, could somehow wind up back on offense? The, you know, the idea of he... he sort of was hesitant about coming to Ohio State, and then they locked him down in the end, and he was the one guy who signed late. Like, I think there's a lot of moving parts with him. So I'm curious about him, and I think people are also curious about Cam Martinez and sort of what his journey is right now. And now I'm going to second-guess myself. I wasn't going to take this guy, but you guys haven't taken him, so I'm going to take C.J. Stroud. That was my number two. Yeah. So, I mean, if I can get the backup quarterback that people are most interested in, no offense to Jack Miller, but I just think people – C.J. Stroud was not in the class as long. He wound up higher rated than Jack Miller. I just think that's got some juice to it. And I want to see what he thinks of the fact that he's barely gotten to play, how this all – what's his development been like? What are his reps like in practice? Does he feel like he's ready for the battle ahead with Kyle McCord and Jack Miller? Has he been – held back because he thought he would play more by now. Is he frustrated? I, I, I think there's some room for some backup quarterback stuff, and you can never really go wrong with quarterbacks. So um, so you guys all like – you guys did – but so, Nathan, that was your other guy. You were between Court Williams and C.J. Stroud. Yeah, because I feel like C.J. Stroud's probably three or four stories too, and they'll all do well. And, Stephen, did you consider Stroud over Fleming, or was Stroud your second guy? Where were you with that? Stroud was actually going to be the guy I picked next if you didn't pick him. Uh, for a lot of those reasons, uh, he's still kind of new, and so there's still maybe some buzz within readership for him. Um, but also, yeah, 
all those reasons. I mean, he hasn't really gotten the chance to get really any playing time out there. We haven't really gotten to see him much in the game. And how is he adjusting to all this after being literally the last, per- the second to last person to join this class? So two really good picks by you. You got the last two members of the 2020 recruiting class. Um, I mean, listen, I've done this before. I know. So you guys might be in trouble. But but I do think, I mean, quarterbacks are easy, but I it's just it's where you sort of – place them in and what I'm not considering is are the guys good talkers or not court Williams is a good talker I think like we've all said that but I think in a locker room this is a thing in a locker room because here's the other thing about the recruits when they are recruits they get sick of talking to people yeah when they are a big time recruit and then all they do is practice and lift weights and watch film and they never get to play and nobody talks to them and nobody cares they're excited after the Big Ten championship game, it's like, oh, a reporter? I haven't been allowed to talk. I talked. All reporters did was text me for two years, and I was sick of them. I haven't had anybody care about my life other than my family since I got here. And all the coaches do is yell at me, and I never get to play. So you want to talk to me? You walked to my locker in this giant locker room of 100 guys, and you want to talk to me? Most of those interviews go pretty well. So I'm not, I'm not taking that into account. Steven, who's your next pick? And that's why I'm taking Paris Johnson Jr. Five-star offensive lineman who could have won a job this year and probably is going to win a job next year. And I think watching Harry Miller this year as a second-year guy who was a five-star recruit, top 30 recruit, and he struggled this year. And there's a story right there. What have you learned watching somebody else who was just like you struggle as a second-year guy after barely having a role as a first-year guy? But also, I mean, that's a five-star offensive tackle from Ohio, and so that's going to get that audience as well. He loves to talk. It's, he loves – I've gotten a chance to sit down with him at, at his own high school. He loves to talk, and people want to read about him. So that's – I mean. Let me say something here. A couple of the picks by you guys so far, there isn't a lot of conflict to me. Because, for instance, Court Williams is hurt. When he's healthy, he's going to be an important part of the defense. Paris Johnson is going to be the left tackle next year. I mean, unless something crazy happens. So I would not pick Paris Johnson because I know what he's going to – I think I know what he's going to say. I mean, he's not mad. He can't be mad that he didn't win a job as a true freshman. And then we know what his path is. Now, if you somehow get there and Paris Johnson says, yeah, I'm moving to center or I'm moving to tight end, whatever, right? But if if your conversation with Paris Johnson is, are you prepared to be the left tackle next year as a sophomore? And his answer is yes. I'm not sure where you go from there. What's the conflict with Paris Johnson? I don't think it always has to be conflict. I just think we, we cover Ohio State and sometimes fans really like to read about the guy who is next. I like, and I don't mean conflict by like, I mean like uncertainty by conflict. Like, what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen with Paris Johnson. Yeah, don't I? His, don't you know? Yeah, I think his uncertainty is just the fact that like, Harry Miller already didn't have a lot of experience, and he had a full season. Paris Johnson has zero experience at all, and he's going to be the starter next year. He has not played in a sing. I don't. Yeah, I think he's played in maybe three snaps this entire season, and then he was unavailable for a Michigan State game where. Had he been available, we know he'd have at least been one of the starting tackles in that game. That makes it a little more interesting that they did. He was one of the COVID guys along with the other three starting COVID guys. He was not on my list. It doesn't mean he's not a good player, but it's not who I would have gone to. Nathan, he's not on my list either, actually. Nathan, you now 
get two picks, end of the second round, start of the third round? So I'm going to take the other backup quarterback, Jack Miller, um, for, you know, for obvious reasons, I think. And then kind of more along, I think, maybe what you're talking about. There's, there's two guys, I think, falling into this category a little bit. Um, I'm going to take Teron Vincent. I'm very intrigued still by him. And he just was high the, on my list. He was high just, on my list. And just the limited impact he's been able to have so far. And, and, and I think coming into this year, we expected him to have a bigger impact, but also partially because we expected that he would have to have a bigger impact because we didn't expect Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai to maybe be the two best tackles in the Big Ten. I'm interested. We have, like, not talked to him. And I think like Haskell Garrett is sort of having the year that maybe we thought Teron Vincent would have because Teron Vincent was such a highly rated recruit. And what does he think of Haskell Garrett's? We haven't even talked to him about being hurt last year, have we? Did he talk? We did I not talk. I do not remember unless somebody got him in this kind of situation, but I don't remember. So the other thing, we're picking some guys that have had injury situations and I don't know, those guys aren't always 100% available. Correct. In these That's, situations. Mm-hmm. So, like, Teron Vincent's going to be available because he's not hurt anymore. Court Williams is a risk because Correct. you factor that in. If you pick somebody and then they're not available, then you've wasted your pick. It's like yeah. they went yeah. back in the draft. They didn't right. sign with your team. Now, you can't always even get to all the people that you pick, though, sometimes. It's like it's a, it's a quick – it's a mess in there. It's not structured. So, it's kind of a free-for-all. So you're, there's already a risk. You're not going to get all the guys you pick. But, yeah, that's definitely another factor there. That's why I knew it was a risk taking him number one. Yeah, taking Court Williams. Like, Julian Fleming's healthy. He's there. C.J. Stroud's healthy. He's there, right? Cam Martinez is a little bit of a risk. I mean, we, he's not hurt, but he's like, hasn't played. But, like, Stroud and Fleming and Vincent are, like, young, interesting guys who are – playing just not that much but like they're definitely going to be in the fake locker room that's going to be close to the media (laughs) so let's just make sure that the guys we're picking in the fake draft for the closed locker room let's make sure they're actually going to be at their lockers when we're not there um all right jack miller and teron vincent on the wraparound for nathan steven your pick so i think the guy i want to pick is going to be there for another couple of picks so i'll I'll let that be i'm going to go with uh, Marcus Crowley. I think we are just, I, I, rightfully so, we are penciling in a five-star number one running back in the country, Travion Henderson, and Master Teague as the starting running backs next year. Um, but Crowley, uh, Crowley's been hurt this year. He, was, he got injured last year, and we haven't seen him at all this year. And I don't know, I just, there's going to be an opportunity. I understand Trayvon Henderson is what he is, but there's still that opportunity that a upperclassman can come in in the spring fully healthy and force Trayvon Henderson to have to wait a year. And that, I think that's an interesting Do you really think that? Do you I, actually really think that? You actually think that? I don't. I think Trayvon okay. Henderson is going to be the okay. starter. But I do think okay. a, a now healthy Marcus Crowley can – is going to try to use the spring to create an opportunity for himself. Cause he showed some things as a true freshman. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, I would, I, not, I would yeah. not, I would not let you put a headline on the site. That is Marcus Crowley plans to keep Travion Henderson on the bench in 2021. So you can talk no. to Marcus Crowley, but you can't write that just so you know, in our fake no, locker room, that's that. not going to happen. No, no, no. This is just more of this. This is a guy who showed some things as a freshman and then got hurt. And we haven't seen or heard from him since. There is interest in him. There is interest in him. And we don't have 
just to even I, find out how your how his his William Court Williams is hurt, but I think like sort of his return to play and his spot is a little more clear than Marcus Crowley, which is like we kind of didn't know would he be in the mix kind of maybe this year yeah. coming back because he got hurt last year, but he hasn't been. Like, could he play if there was a spot or is there just not a spot? Is he frustrated? What does he think? I get it. I get it. I, I He's on my list of like 15 different guys. He wasn't super high on mine. Nathan, were you interested at all in Marcus Crowley? No. I, I mean, I, I think the question – I mean – him, Steel Chambers, Mayan Williams. I mean, the question for them is, are you going to stick around for the next three years while this other guy is running roughshod all over the field? To me, I mean, that's, right. that's the intrigue with those guys. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, are you going to stay in the program? And if so, why? And what do you think about just the world? I think it's always interesting to have honest conversations with guys who get recruited over. That you were a recruit in the 200s or 300s, yeah. whatever, and now a guy who's in the top 20 is coming in, and like, how do, how do you feel about that? Yeah, so I'm I not trying to be glib about it, but that's that is just the reality of the roster dynamics that happen. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, these guys were brought in. They had that, like Stephen said, they had that kind of mop up opportunity last year, but I don't know how much weight that carries. And then you're bringing in the best running back recruits in the country on top of them now. Um, so I, that's just a natural conversation. Well, that's the thing. It's like. You're not being glib because we talk about it all the time. And, well, so and it's, one, they know it. They, it's their, it's their life. It's their reality, yeah. And it's our obligation. Sometimes it's like, well, why would you talk to a guy about that? It's like, well, because the conversation's happening. So I think it's our obligation to allow a person to become involved in the conversation about them. Yeah, he deserves a chance to – yeah. To talk he about deserves it, a yeah. chance to interject his, his side of the story. Especially that guy who hasn't had any more opportunities to prove himself. Like somebody, yeah. Steel Chambers had a whole spring. Well, until it got shut down, he would have had that whole spring by himself. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, all right, so I do this sometimes in these drafts. I, I zag, and I zag by going to a guy who actually plays as opposed to all future. So I'm going to take a guy who actually plays, and I can't remember – I guess maybe we have. He has been available for interviews this year, but I also think a one-on-one at his locker is would be different than a group interview, whether it was on a Zoom or whether it was normal times and we were all around him. I'm going to take Marcus Hooker because I want to talk to Marcus Hooker about the idea of, listen, man, you won this job. How did you win this job? And again, it's a little weird this year because like, we never even really got to talk to Marcus Hooker that much about that, did we? Did we ever get to we talk got to him, Marcus Hooker at we, length? We got, we got him, him at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. but the, we haven't talked to him since the world has been calling for his job. I wrote about him and Proctor. I wrote kind of a piece about how they were at kind of this crossroads where like Proctor was the heir apparent and then Hooker just kind of comes sweeping in out of nowhere and took that job. We, we knew it before the, it was before opening day. We knew that it had happened. We had heard enough practice intel and things we, we knew that that was where it was going and so that was kind of a that was when we got to talk to him there though was right before the season we got to talk to those guys um and proctor we've had since then but i don't know that we've had another shot with hooker since then and again this is that's an example of there's a reason why we haven't talked to him i think they're protecting him a little bit i think and, it's interesting how there's always a guy on this roster that no one really understands why he's a starter, but every year, every time we get to Saturday, he's a starter. JT Barrett seemed to be that when Dwayne Haskins was on his roster. Tough Borland has been the poster child of that basically his entire career here, and now Marcus Hooker. 
seems to own that. He's waving that flag of where no one knows why he's a starter, but the coaches seem to like him in that that role. And I would like to bring him into the conversation that we've been having about him. That is, and talk about, okay, you missed this play. Why did you miss it? What did you think about it? How did you try to recover from it? What did you learn from it? Okay, you had a good game against Michigan State. What was it like in practice? Did you worry you were, were you worried you were going to get benched? Did you, did you pay attention to what people like us were saying or were you not paying attention to it? Did you talk to Malik about it? Did you talk to, you know, I just, I think there's a lot, even though he plays, I would like to have an honest one-on-one conversation and allow him to enter the own conversation about his life that we are currently having about him. And I think it's a really good pick because it will be influenced by what happens at the Big Ten Championship game. Mm-hmm. Either, either he'll have a decent game maybe and, and keep building maybe on what he did against Michigan State. Although, again, there's limited how much we can really glean from that performance just from who they were. Or did his snaps drop as we expected they might when Josh Proctor is able to come back? Are you uh, – do you guys have a lot of guys left that you're interested in? Or are you running out of dudes? I mean, I, no, I, I prepared a deep list. Um, can, we, can we go six rounds instead of five? Yeah, I've got a long list. I'm fine. It's fine. All right. Because it would influence possibly how I make my next picks. Because I have a couple guys. Okay, so that's the end of the third round. Now I have the first pick in the fourth round. And I am going to pick – man, this is hard. There's three guys I'm in between on, and they're all kind of weird for different reasons. Okay, I'm going to pick this guy Can I? because I can envision the headline. And we've, we discussed him already, and he plays the same position as somebody that I questioned sort of Stephen about why he took that guy. So I'm going to take Mayan Williams because I want to write a bowling ball headline. And I, and I, and I want to – I mean, if he has bowling ball in his Twitter – as his Twitter, whatever name, he recognizes that. We did get to see him on the field briefly. He looked like a bowling ball. He looked like he could do something. He was originally committed to Iowa State. Iowa State is playing for the Big 12 championship. And the Iowa State running back is like an All-American. Like the Iowa State running back is going nuts. And like, I don't know what their running back room looks like. I would research it before I picked Mayan Williams. I didn't research it for the fake draft. That's not going to happen. But I don't know. It's Brees Hall. I was on an All-American call committee yesterday, which is the only reason I know anybody on any other team. And we had conversations about different guys. I just know that guy is really good. Would Mayan Williams be the heir apparent to a guy who's in an All-American discussion if he had stayed with his original recruiting commitment? I don't know. But this is what happens when you are a medium-rated guy who is a big get for a medium school, and then you flip to a big-time school because you're kind of like their seventh choice, and now you're about to get passed by Trayvon Henderson and Evan Pryor. And by the way, Master Teague's still going to be here. But the fact that Mayan Williams, it's not an injury thing. I would ask the Iowa State questions. I would ask the bowling ball stuff. I would ask your, an Ohio kid who came to Ohio State What's this experience been like? I think there's a story there beyond are you going to transfer or not? But we would talk about that. But just even like what this year, did he, does he have value in the, you know, how would he value this experience this year? So I, I, he's a guy that I'm interested in. And since we're going six rounds, I'm taking Mayan Williams. Steven, your pick. So 
this guy is just going to give me an excuse to also talk to Garrett about him when we're in, if we were in this locker room. I'm taking Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I'm, then I'm out on the wide receivers. Uh, one, I mean, the catch he made in the first game, people, we, and we haven't been able to talk to him about that catch and Texas wide receivers who seem to all be able to make that type of freaky catch. We saw Garrett do it in the Fiesta Bowl, Caleb Burton. I've seen highlights of him making those similar types of catches as well. So that could open the door for me to write a story about Texas wide receivers making their way to Ohio State. But that's, that's one story. But also, I mean, people are going to read about Jackson Smith and Jigba as the only freshman wide receiver who's done anything exciting this year. Um, but also, it gives me an opportunity to ask him about Garrett Wilson and, hey, Seeing Garrett Wilson's path here as a guy who was in one position, but they move him kind of around every, everywhere. Is that the way that they explain this to you during the recruiting trail? Is that you're a guy who's billed at like six foot one, 190 plus pounds? You can kind of play anywhere. And it's this continuation of the development of wide receivers here. And I just think Jackson Smith the Jigba is the per- perfect guy for that because we've already seen it a little bit, but we didn't get to talk to him about it. Not enough conflict. He's good. He's been good. He's going to play more next year, and he's good. It's not enough conflict for me. Like, what's all that stuff you just said is true. Why do you need to talk to him to confirm it? It's all true. You're great. You already wrote the Texas wide receiver story. So you're going to get him – you're going to get a quote from him for a story you already wrote? Not enough conflict. Don't talk to the guy who's good, who has a clear path to the field. Talk to the guys who you don't know what's going to happen with them. You're too nice. You're too – Nice. Hey, uh, Paris, I just want to talk to you about how you're really good and next year you're going to start. Hey, Jackson, I just want to talk about how you're awesome and you're going to keep being awesome. Maybe it's just personality traits. Maybe I should be nicer. I'm not looking for nice stories in there, man. I'm looking for like, what is up? I'm looking for the what is up. I just don't think there's enough what is up. I know what's up with him. He's really good, right? He's really good. The catch is good. The catch. I don't know how he twisted his foot like that. Doesn't really make sense to me. Does he do ballet? Does he have a dance background? I mean, for real, that's like a dancer move. That guy has some body control, which is kind of a thing. But I don't know. Nathan, was Jackson Smith and Jigba on your list? He was like lower tier on my list um, because, again, I think it was just – you're going to get a headline out of it that people want to read. I just don't know if it's – and but the, the danger you're setting yourself up for is you go up and you ask him, hey, what was the deal with what you did on your body on that play? And he's like, I, I mean, I don't even know. I just jumped and came down and bounced. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. A, which is a very plausible answer. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, and, and it was also like two months ago by that point. So how much does he remember about the moment? I don't, I don't know. So, uh, but I think he is, there is, I think some intrigue there. There's not controversy and there's not conflict. You're right. But there is intrigue there. I think he's an intriguing player. But there's not information. There's not new information. We know what, the, right? I mean, we know what the deal is with Jackson Smith and Jigby. He's good, and he's going to play a lot next year. There's, there's information as to um, did, did you did Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave teach you a lot of stuff this year? I don't know. There, there's, there's things you can get from that. I'm just, I agree with you though that it's not. It they, that was like one of my safety picks, like my fill out my fill out my group picks. And it's not that he's good. It's not that he's not good. It's that he's too good. He's too good for me. Um, because there's not, there's not enough, there's not enough entry. There's not enough entry. I feel like we're answering with some of these guys. It's like, if you're doing it right in here, you are able to answer questions that fans have that we have not answered so far. Like, what does this guy really think? What is the actual deal with this guy? What is this guy doing? How does this guy see his? So 
that's why I, that's why I stay away from guys like that. Um, Nathan, who's your next pick? So I have two back to back here. I'm going to take a guy who I think fits what you're talking about, and it's Tyreek Johnson. A guy who, but 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 it's also <laughs> we're we're kind of reaching almost a critical mass on him a little bit. It's like this is hasn't he been on this draft list every year of his career for basically the same reason? He's not on my list because I I'm not I don't I agree I'm with out. what you're saying. He's I'm I think out. it's I think it's over. Yeah. yeah, he has had. They need people at his position. They gave That's him perfect. a game. They gave him a game to prove it. He didn't prove it, and it's over. And I don't mean to be that. I'm just saying from a story perspective, I don't think there's intrigue there because I think we know the answer. Don't we know the answer to Tyreek Johnson? What's your question? I think that's – but I think that's the question is and, – and you hate to be blunt to the guy or whatever, but I think that is the question. It's like, isn't – you know, what are you doing next? Like, you're, you're obviously not staying. Haven't you been – like, isn't, isn't this over? And why didn't this work out? If you could get – that if you can if you can talk about what it's like for for a five-star recruit to come in and just have it not really work out if you could get him some honesty about being without Kerry Combs now Kerry Combs is back but how did that affect him you know he had different coaches Tabor Johnson Jeff Halfley what's it like for a five-star who's kind of trapped in transition Where, where did it feel like is he is he disappointed is he upset I think if you can get that's one of the things. I think we know what the answer is, but if you get him to it. talk about the yeah. answer, that would be new. That would be new. So he's not on my list, but I, I get that if you can get that. If you can get that. Yeah, and my, my first pick for the next round, and this one, I don't know if there's necessarily conflict here, um, but there is intrigue, I think, and it's because of he keeps, uh, no pun intended, keeps growing into something, and it's Dewan Jones. You just wrote Jawan Jones. I did, but it doesn't have anything from him in it. Yeah, I talked to Jawan Jones uh, last year in this draft, and I still haven't written it. So <laughs> I guess we can good, collaborate. I got some Actually, good how stuff. about you just send me those quotes, and I'll take. I'll, I'll pick somebody else. If this was the NBA, he owns the draft rights to Dewan Jones. You I can, did. Like, you can talk to him out. No, those expire after one year, I think. You can, you can get a trade those, going. <laughs> those expire at like three fifty nine p.m. on Saturday. It's like you wrote a Dewan Jones story that was based off like Pete Werner quotes, yes. and I read it and I was like, "You should see the quotes that I have on Dewan Jones that are in my recorder." That I've got a Dewan Jones story. If it would take me less than a year to write it. So uh, I'm going to write that Dewan Jones story tomorrow and invalidate your pick. That's fine. Because um, Here, here's the inside baseball and why I wrote that Dewan Jones thing too. I was going to write something on the offensive line, like a bigger piece. And it got later and later in the day. And so I was starting to write, I write things in like segments a lot of times. And I wrote the Dewan Jones segment and I was like, Oh, wait a second. That could actually probably just stand alone as a piece on its own. So I just kind of dressed it up and made that the post rather than like spending another two hours doing a whole nother post. Because and it was because the dynamic had changed. The the Michigan game wasn't going to happen, so that kind of invalidated the immediacy of like Max Ray and um, and Matthew Jones and going into the next game. Yeah. Okay, Stephen, what's your next pick? So I'm picking Cade Stover because depending on what Jeremy Rucker decides to do this year after this season. Cade Stover is the oldest player in the tight end room, and they're going to need him to play, and he has not taken barely any snaps at tight end since moving there. 
He came in here as a linebacker, missed Ohio football, and has now moved to tight end and hasn't gotten any real reps at it. So if Jeremy Ruckert leaves, um, obviously the transfer portal is always an option, but as things stand, if Jeremy Ruckert leaves, I mean, that's their most experienced scholarship tight end. And I don't, I mean, that's a lot to handle for a guy who just moved into the position six months ago and then lost an entire spring to actually get used to playing it. You know what that pick has? Conflict, uh, intrigue. That's your best pick since Julian Fleming in the first round because he's a great athlete and he moved position and they're going to need him. And we have no stinking idea what has been going on with him. What's it like? Does he feel like he's ready to get on the field tomorrow or does he feel like his head is spinning? Does he like, is he freaked out about the idea of Ruckert also leaving or is he like, yeah, I would, I, you know, whatever those guys do. But if I'm suddenly the most experienced tight end in the room, I would love it. Does he wish he was still at defensive end? Does he wish he was at, is he shocked that he's a tight end? Or did he think this might, there, I mean, he, Kate Stover probably should have gone before this. So I think that's a really good pick. Nathan, was Nathan, was Kate Stover anywhere on your list? Um, lower. Because I'm, I'm not convinced that it's going to be I, – I think what the other thing Steven said was that the transfer portal is going to be big for them on tight ends. I just I, – I'm, I'm skeptical so that you're not fr- yeah. you're not going to talk to the guy on the roster who's like yeah. mixed up? Well, he's still just a project. Add- like, I still don't even really expect him to be – the reason he's not playing right now is because he's not really still a tight end yet as far as like Ohio State Big what Ten talking standards. About? But they also have three very experienced tight ends, and I don't think they're going to add three tight ends in the tra- – they're probably going to add one, but they're not going to add – if all three of those guys are gone, they're not going to go to the transfer portal and just get three straight tight ends. They'll probably add one, maybe two at most. They're not going to add two gonna, tight ends. He's a top 100 yeah. national recruit. Yeah. I mean, like he's getting ready to play next year. You don't think he's going to play next year? I think he'll play. I just don't know that I did. I, Who's the tight he end? He didn't jump to the top year. of my list. Whoever they, play, they get in the gonna, transfer portal, probably. So, that, so that's one. This team plays three, up to three at times. The, what, someone floated this on somewhere to me is like, would Jake Hausman possibly be a guy who would maybe come back with that extra year of eligibility since like this year doesn't count? I have no idea. But yeah. like Jake Hausman is clearly the third tight end. I mean, Ruckert and Farrell yeah. get all the snaps. Mm-hmm. He was one of the guys the that they recognized. End. Would they maybe, I mean, I don't know. Would they maybe, would he think about it? I mean, who knows? Who knows? But it's an option for guys like that. And if they feel like they're stuck, would they ask him to? Would they really sort of say, listen, man, this, is, this would be your chance finally to really have a bigger role, especially if Rucker is going? I don't know. I don't know what that would be like. But I think Cade Stover is interesting because, like, we can just pretend, like, ah, transfer portal. But it's like until the guy's on the roster, you write about Cade Stover as, like, Cade Stover might be the number one tight end next year. And we literally have never seen him play the position. So um, I'm intrigued by that. I, this is a dangerous pick a little bit because it is injury related also, which is why I haven't picked him until now, but I'm going to take Cameron Babb who has just had awful injury luck at receiver and was a big time recruit and just is, has not been able to stay healthy. He's been injured twice now. And I just think anybody like talking about what that's like, like what, uh, how difficult it can be. If he would be around, um, I wouldn't have wanted to take him earlier because of the idea of we don't know if, if an injured guy is going to be there, but I would, I would like to talk to him. So since we're going to uh, a sixth round, 
This is my last pick, and I'm pretty confident with this, and it's back toward a guy who's playing. I don't know if he's super interesting or not, but I'm going to take Dallas Gant as the thing we've all talked about a million times that we've talked, I think, to them about it. This Kayvon Pope, Taraja Mitchell, Dallas Gantt group of linebackers who have been blocked forever since they got here, been blocked by Baron Browning, Tough Borland, Pete Werner. Dallas Gantt, when, when Tough Borland was out, we saw Dallas Gantt had a role as Baron Browning played the mic in the middle sometimes, but then when Browning was outside, Dallas Gantt had an actual role a little bit. He has been on the field more this year, just like the, it, Dallas Gantt's probably the starting middle linebacker next year. So to reconfirm with him now that you've played, now that you've been out there in meaningful snaps, what do you think? How does it feel? Is it all worth it? Do you feel like it's coming? Are you frustrated? Is it just part of the deal at a place like Ohio State? And just have a conversation because that guy, that guy's time is probably coming, but we haven't really had a chance to talk to him since he's played some snaps this year. So did anyone else have Dallas Gantt at all in their mind? No. I did not. All right, last pick for Stephen Means. I went with Cody Simon as a top 100 linebacker coming into his second year. Um, and we know what the story is with that linebacker room. Guys who have been top 100 recruits in the past have been blocked. But a lot of that is leaving. And as you just talked about with Dallas Gantt, he's probably the starter. But I think there is, a, there is room for Cody Simon to get on the field as the first guy in out Washington's basically – reload of that linebacker room after you see a lot of these guys leave. He's got Cody Simon in the, in, as a freshman now. Reed Carrico's coming next. They're the future middle linebackers. And then we know what's going on in that 2022 class with those three guys. But is there a chance that Cody Simon, a top 100 linebacker, when you've seen guys just like him in the past get blocked by guys in front of him consistently, can this guy kind of put an end to that and break out and get a role as a second-year guy who maybe rotates with Dallas Gantt as an inside linebacker, or maybe in the name of they're all versatile and everything's interchangeable, he ends up winning a job. I get it. Not a magic headline name or anything, but, but I yeah. get it. Big-time recruit whose time might be coming. Uh, Nathan, what's your last pick? I'm going to take a guy who's like the, the flavor of the moment in Ronnie Hickman. And just find out uh, maybe maybe a lot of what he was able to do was was only the circumstance of obviously Proctor not being there. And um, that opened the door that won't be open once Proctor comes back. But he also, I think, showed enough that I think he's going to be someone people are intrigued by going into next season. Like, is he more in the mix for a bigger role next season? And he was a big time recruit who I think who didn't play last year, I think, maybe mm-hmm. because of injury stuff. Yep. So right. Like, what's it like for him to have a role? And again, he was a big time recruit. I think that's a good pick. I think Ronnie Hickman. A lot of injury picks this year. Well, that's how it always is. I mean, yeah. if you're not playing, it's either true freshman or you're injured. I mean, really, that's that's most of what this stuff yeah. is for the you know eighty percent of it. Um, who did you guys have that you didn't pick that was still in the mix for you guys? Anybody else? I have a few more guys that that were on my list at least. I, I want to you know you, you always maybe want to try to get a cursory how's it going from the 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 third year underclassmen who could leave Um, but that sometimes Mm -hmm. you wait until maybe bowl interviews to do some of that stuff um, because you're trying to get some of these other guys and you'll you will have access to people like Jeremy Ruckert like you're going to have a chance to talk to him at the bowl game Um, and um, he was one that that jumped out to me yeah if it's an NFL conversation 
mm-hmm. yeah, it can wait. If it's a if it's a transfer conversation, you can maybe start that a little bit earlier, right? But yeah, the right. NFL conversation around bowl time makes a lot of sense. Stephen, who else did you have? Yeah, I mean, Legend Cavazos. I mean, his name is Legend Cavazos. How did you not? I mean, I I cannot believe you did not take. Yeah. You had six picks, and yeah. you didn't take Legend Cavazos. I can't believe it. Yeah, he he was right. He was right there, but I just think there are some other guys who are more interesting to me right now. Um, I think the legend could obviously have a role next year and his name is legend. And I just want to talk to him about trying to get that number zero Jersey. Cause I think if your name is legend, you deserve to have that Jersey, but also honestly, some of these defensive the guys in the defensive line room who might, depending on what happens with JT Tumalau might get passed over. Um, I, I don't, I know you're, they're probably not paying attention to that, but it's worth having the conversation But you know, a guy like Noah Potter, who's a redshirt freshman is coming into his third year next year. I don't know if that's, he's ever going to get on the field. Um, that's an interesting story to me though, because he came in and he said he went at number 97 and he knew what came with wearing that number and all that stuff and nonsense that he said during the early, when he early enrolled. And I don't know if that's going to work out here. So it's interesting to talk to guys like that, where you've been here for two years. It doesn't look like there's a role for you. And there's a five-star guy who we know is going to have a role and another guy who might join join the class in February, who we know is going to have a role coming right behind you. I don't know. That conversation is interesting to me. I had all of the young DBs like lower on my list. Cameron Martinez was the one that I was most intrigued by, but you know, Watts, Cavazos, Ransom. Um, there's not really like conflict there as much. And Martinez was the highest on my list just because he was the one who, and when we got here, we weren't a thousand percent sure what he was really. Right. And now I think that yeah. that is starting to kind of come together, but how, how has that happened? Yeah, Ransom, Ransom and Watts were the guys on my list. G. Scott on my list a little, little bit. Again, just like a big-time guy who hasn't really gotten on the field. And then I did have Matthew, I had Matthew Jones on my list just as the kind of like top 75 national recruit who did, when they had the COVID issues, did play, did start uh, on the offensive line against Michigan State. And like, does he – and as we start thinking about, okay, well, if you lose Josh Myers and you lose Wyatt Davis and – like it, all of a sudden, it, you know, Matthew Jones is probably going to have a chance to compete for a starting job on the interior offensive line next year. And sometimes it's an age old story, but it's like, you're a big time recruit. You get here, you don't play right away. You get forgotten. And then two things either happen. Well, three, I mean, it's just life. You get, so a, you fight back from being forgotten and you've proved everybody. You shouldn't have forgotten me and you win a job. B you transfer or C you're just a guy on the roster who's just a career backup for four or five years. And that's just who you are. So Matthew Jones, I think is at a point where I don't know where he's going. I think he could wind up being any of those three things. Um, but based on what we saw against Michigan state, he, he got a chance to get on the field. So um, when, when they had to move guys around and we're missing three starters. So that's our draft. One more to thing. Go over. What's Yes. Interesting that no, uh, Mayan Williams got picked and Mookie Cooper didn't because he's I in was a similar about, situation, except he's a top 100 recruit. Well, I was just about to say, I actually had Cooper on my list and not Scott, and it was because of um, – we know why Cooper didn't play this year. I mean, Scott, yeah. I think it was just a situation of they, they gave all the targets to these two guys, and um, if mm-hmm. he had been here last year, he wouldn't have played him. I mean, it's just that's – he, he's good he's and he will be good probably, but it's just not there yet. But with Cooper, yeah. there's actual, like, we know why he didn't play, but then what did he do this year that takes, pushes him more towards, will he have a role down the line? And I, that's, I think a fair question about him just because of the way they're starting to recruit that position. But also because I think it's very clear that he's 
going to be a slot receiver. He's the little guy. They're Rondell, their version of Rondell Moore. And when you're recruiting guys who can go in and out and kind of play everywhere and you're not, and you're pigeonholed into a position, how much harder does it make it for you to get onto the field? While with G Scott is just, I mean, he's where Jamison Williams was last year. He's the freshman who's only on special teams and next year he might, he'll, he'll be in the rotation. It's just like, right. It's just like Jamison Williams went from being only special teams to being a starter this year. I mean, Milka Cooper to me a little bit is what it is. It's like, we, we know exactly. Yeah. We, nobody thought he was going to play. He didn't play his senior year of high school. So he's using this year. It's a weird year. He's practicing. He's getting better. And he's going to try to come back next year and try to play in the slot and see what happens. So a year from now, if in his second year he doesn't play at all, then he'd be on my list. Right now, I think we would just have the same conversation. What's he going to do? Is he going to transfer after one year when he didn't play a senior year of high school? I mean, like he's practicing to try to get better. I don't know what the story is with Mookie Cooper right now beyond that, right? But I think I think there is I something about just the fact that he's pigeonholed in the one spot and he's a top 100 recruit who is already having to deal with the fact of how well Brian Hartline's recruiting that room. It might be a little bit harder for him to carve out a role if he's only going to be able to play in the slot when you're recruiting other guys who can play in the slot and outside. I guess to me, it's it's also like. It, Maybe that isn't that intriguing, but I to me the G Scott story is even less interesting. It's just that they weren't th- they weren't using as many receivers this year. It's not. But we know fault. why Mookie Cooper didn't play. G Scott thought he might play a little bit, probably right. There's nothing holding G Scott back. Mookie Cooper, we knew that wasn't going to play. Mookie Cooper, and I think too, all the stuff you guys said about Mookie Cooper is true. He's not going to say anything about it. What's he going to say? Oh, you're right. Garrett Wilson's a super dynamic guy who can play inside and outside. The slot position has no longer fit for a small guy at Ohio state. I mean, he's not going to say it. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's what the content you can create out of the interview. I, it's, I'm not saying the slot discussion isn't interesting. I just don't need to talk to Mookie Cooper to have it, it right isn't now. There, isn't there more holding G Scott back than there is holding the freshman DBs back just because there is no uh, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave version of the, of the DBs. I said, G Scott's more interesting than Mookie Cooper. That's all. Okay. So I just don't – Mookie Cooper's not on my list because it's the same thing we already talked about, which is he's behind because he didn't play his senior year. Um, I actually had Jake Seibert on my list for, like, 17th of, like, hey, you're the freshman kicker. You're gray shirting. You thought you weren't going to be doing anything this year. And, like, by the way, now you're kicking. Yeah. Like, what was that like? Um, for the fourth hour of this podcast, we'll get to Jake Seibert. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys suggest just want to go to 18 rounds then? <laughs> we could, yeah. Just we the entire build, roster. We could build a two deep if you want to. <laughs> yeah. we, we literally have. It's it's like you have like twenty minutes to do all this, by the way, and that includes like finding the guy and hoping somebody else isn't already talking to him when you do. Yeah, because everybody does this now. Yes, I yes. mean like the whole yeah. Ohio State beat. It's like you play the Big Ten championship game. Chris Olave has twelve receptions for two hundred and eleven yards, and everybody is like, I do not want to talk to him. Yeah. Like, oh, great. Congratulations on your great game, Chris Olave. Where's Tyreek Johnson? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Chris, oh, Chris, I have one like, question. Oh, yeah. Chris, can you, can you point out to Ron Vincent? It's like, oh, you got a podium game? I don't care. I'm not going to that. I'm in the locker room with the guys who don't play. Your best chance to get a one-on-one by yourself is like, hey, uh, Pete Werner had 13 tackles, and I literally, literally nobody talked to him other than me. Because all your story is like, hey, good player plays well. It's like, that's not what this is about. That's not what the locker room is about. All right, that's our draft. Hope that was a little insight into how the beat operates, how we operate. 
uh, I mean, how we're not going to operate because we're not going to have the chance to do it. But we would be doing it, and we'll do it again next year when life gets back to normal. So um, we're going to do a quick thing now about something that is actually happening, which is all Big Ten to be announced Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll make a few predictions about that next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, we're going to talk a little all Big Ten because it's coming out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, of course, Ohio State will have some guys on there. Do we, Nathan, what's the Tuesday? Is it offense first on Tuesday? Defense yeah, on offense Wednesday? Tuesday, defense Wednesday, special teams, and then, like, all the leftover individual things, and coach of the year on Thursday. Coach of the year. And coach of the year is going to be Tom Allen, right? Is there even so. a question about that? I wouldn't – I can't even – I don't – no, shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about, we'll talk, since they're doing offense first on Tuesday, let's talk about offense. I mean, Justin Fields is obviously the first team all big 10 quarterback. I'm not even, who's the second, a uh, second team's Michael Penix, I guess. Right. Yeah. I voted, I voted Fields Penix and then Tagovailoa as my third team. Okay. That seems indisputable to me. Tanner Morgan has not been, had a good it's not year, been right? that great. No. no. Okay. Um, who's the running back? It's not going to be master Teague, right? Does master Teague, master Teague, it was third team, all Big Ten, as a backup to J.K. Dobbins, who had like 700 yards last year. Again, they take two running backs. So it's Master Teague was viewed as one of the best six running backs in the Big Ten a year ago. Journey Brown from Penn State, um, his football career is over. He was the guy preseason who was our offensive, was, was like kind of next behind Justin Fields among the best offensive players in the league. Who's the running back? Does Master Teague get in the mix? It's going to be – well, Minnesota's Ibrahim Muhammad is going to be oh, right. first. Um, I voted Tyler Goodson from Iowa as my other first-team guy. I think Master Teague will be second-team, though, at worst. And I, I wouldn't, I guess, rule out the fact that he could be first-team. The fact that he was third-team last year. Sometimes people look back at last year's results when they're voting on this year's. And, um, you know, it, there's there aren't a lot of – it got really tough to vote for, like, the sixth-best running back in the Big Ten this year because the, the numbers just aren't there. It's Muhammad Ibrahim, by the way. Oh, yeah, I said it backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's, they have it backwards on these. I, I went on that rant yesterday. Sorry. You did. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's clear. So, so, I mean, there's just it's, – it's a weird year in the Big Ten. It's a weird year in the Big Ten. Offensive line, uh, the Joe Moore Award, which is given to the best overall offensive line, has named 11 semifinalists, which is always like – sometimes I'm like, I'm not, I, mean, I don't know how many semifinalists there should be. 11 seems like a lot. Uh, the only two Big Ten teams were Ohio State and Iowa on that list. And I will say that I was part of a uh, Football Writers Association All-American call on Sunday. I'm, I'm one of the two Big Ten reps that helps pick the All-American team. And there's just some facts and stuff that float around. So I have some reference points of, like, kind of what the discussion is. Um, Cole Van Lanen as an offensive lineman from Wisconsin is a guy mm-hmm. whose name is floated out there uh, a little bit. Alaric Jackson from Iowa. His name is out there a little bit. Thayer Munford is out there a little bit. Uh, Wyatt Davis is obviously out there a little bit. Um, I think we've talked about this. I, to me, it feels like Nicholas Petit Frere and Thayer Munford probably are the two best candidates for Ohio state based on how they've played on the offensive line. But I feel like Wyatt Davis's reputation is going to carry him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So my guess, Nathan is, do we think Wyatt Davis will be first team all big 10? 
I mean, if, if I had to guess, I would say yes. I think it, he's one of those guys that will probably get voted higher by other people than he was. I, I put him as a second team vote. Um, but I think the fact that he is a returning all American, the fact that again, I'm not sure how much of this I'm even supposed to talk about. Um, uh, cause when they sent, I, I looked back after we had yesterday's pod and there's an email about like, Hey, this is like, you know, uh, don't use this on background or whatever, but you know, he, I, Ohio state is pushing him for offensive line awards and stuff over some of these other guys, even though we think some of these other guys have maybe maximized their position a little bit better this year is how I'll say this. So I, I think that could influence some voting too. Do you think Munford and Petit and or Petit Frere have a shot at being first team though? I voted Munford first team. I think there's a chance. And I, I think, again, it depends on how much people have access to things like the PFF grades. Cause he's, I think the highest graded tackle in the big 10 on the PFF grades Munford. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Tight end. Jeremy Ruckert is Ohio state's third le- leading receiver with nine catches. Um, Jake I mean, I Ferguson think the nine catches Wisconsin. means more than the fact that he's Ohio State's third leading receiver. I mean, nine right. catches even over five games is not significant, even really among tight ends. Right. I, I think so. that's not going to be enough because the, that's not going to probably be enough for him. Um, and it, simply because as much as we know, his blocking has been better this year. For We don't know anything about how any other tight ends in the Big Ten have been blocking, and nor do any of the other writers in the Big Ten know how well Jeremy Ruckert's been blocking. Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin is one of the Mackey semifinalists. And he has He'll probably be your first team guy. 26 catches in five games. So, yeah. Uh, and listen, there's a bunch of Ohio State guys who are going to be second team. I mean, Ohio State, you know, it's Ohio State. It's only 14 teams in the league. I mean, it's like there's a bunch of Ohio State guys will be on second team. But, but even I, I mean, I only voted six, I think, first team guys for Ohio State. And that seems like a really low number to me. Even for, even when we consider, and we knew coming into the year, it was going to be kind of a, um, it's not really a star heavy, especially on defense. It was not going to be a star loaded team. And there was also some guys that I assumed coming into the year, like, I mean, Josh, your, your white Davis, obvious first team, all big 10 guard. Right. Or even Josh Myers, like, Hey, that's probably a first team. And that kind of gets negated by the fact that I voted for, um, for Munford first team, which I might not have expected coming into the season, but you know what I'm saying? Like there were some guys that maybe didn't have the seasons we were expecting at a couple spots. So again, from the, I know this from the all American call, because I looked it up among FB among power five receivers. Cause I, I mean, I don't mean to be dismissive, but sometimes if it's like, you know, some guy from Texas state is averaging 140 receiving yards per game. It's like, okay, well, it's not exactly the same as doing it in the big 10. Okay. It's just, it's just not. And if I have to explain to you why it's not the same, then you're just being obtuse because you want to be, but it's not. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are third and fourth in receiving yards per game among power five receivers in receiving yards per game. Elijah Moore from Ole Miss and Devontae Smith from Alabama are one and two, and that's it. Now there's a bunch of Nevada, Texas state, whatever stuff in between, but they are third and fourth in receiving yards per game in the power five. Do you vote for three or two receivers first team? Two. Two for this poll. There is also there is we want to make sure this is this is the official All Big Ten, and then the AP also does a team. I was just chatting with someone, and I don't think I I don't think I got the email about voting for AP this year, but um, I don't. This so I don't know what the matters. AP team will look like. Who, but this who cares is the one, about you're that? You're right. You're right. This, this is the is one that matters, matters, and it's only two receivers. So the candidates are Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, David Bell from Purdue, and 
Ty Freifogel. Ty Freifogel from Indiana, who had back-to-back 200-yard receiving games the week before Ohio State and then Ohio State. And then once Michael Penix got hurt, he has like three catches for 30 yards combined in his last two games, which I get it, but also is like, okay, well, you know, that's not – he had one catch last week. Right. So, like, that has to factor in somewhere because it's just like, again, it's really – sometimes it can be hard with all these guys because you're dependent on other people, but that's just how football works. So, what what do you – are you supposed to reveal your vote or not? Are you going to get in trouble? Can you reveal That's the thing. Vote? Like, I, I think I need to, to couch this a little bit. I, I, because I, you aren't couching anything. You keep saying, I voted for Thayer Munford. I think it's okay for me to say who I voted for. I think some of the other things I've said about like the structure of the ballot over things I wasn't supposed to say. So if people could like maybe keep those under wraps. I could like not even said, but complained about. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have complained about some of that directly to the big 10, by the way, though. Well, that's good. I appreciate complaining right to someone's face, not only behind their back on a podcast, listened to they, by thousands of people. They were figuring some things. They were figuring some things out with their mechanism for how they, they did some voting. In fact, I had today, like they, you could print out like a receipt of what you voted. So I went back and looked and I had an Ohio State player that I meant to vote third team and a Ohio State player that I meant to vote first team. And they were showing up differently on my receipt that I looked at today. And I had to email them be like, oh, hold on a second. And they're like, no, no, no. That's just, that's something else that's, just screwed up behind the scenes. It's fine. So anyway, Bell, Freifogel, Olave Wilson for two spots on first team. Is that, is that really where we're at probably with that debate? Right. Right. Okay. I had, yeah. Yeah. How did you land? I voted Olave and Wilson first team. How do you think it will go? I think there's probably going to be a lot of support out there for Freifogel and just IU players in general to try to recognize the season that they have had. And after that performance against Ohio State, I think he, you know his his stock was pretty high. I think a lot of us were sitting back saying like, "Man, that that guy's legit. Like that guy made some great plays." Um, I don't think so. I don't think it would be Bell that would potentially work his way up into the top two, but it might be Freifogel that would score him up there and rele- relegate one of the Ohio state guys to second team, maybe, but I still, I think it should be, I think Wilson and Aubrey are clearly the two best receivers in this conference. Garrett Wilson, 114 yards per game, five touchdowns in five games. Chris Olave, 106 yards per game, five touchdowns in five games. David Bell from Purdue, 104 yards per game, eight touchdowns in six games. Ty Freifogel, 98 yards per game, seven touchdowns in seven games. Again, his numbers have really fallen off the last two weeks. If his numbers hadn't fallen off, I think it might be down to like one Ohio State guy and Freifogel. And then sometimes the vote splitting, again, is hard. That if you're kind of stuck in between, if you don't want to vote for two Ohio State guys, so which one do you vote for? And now this, this, and now what? And now a guy like Freifogel makes first team. Not undeservedly, but in the race, I think in a race like this, sometimes having competing against one of your teammates hurts you. It doesn't help you. That if the Ohio State guys are right. splitting a vote somehow, and the result is Freifogel or Bell squeezes on the first team. And there's less splitting of the Bell vote because Rondo Moore only played three games this year. And they were three pretty productive games, but still three games nonetheless. If you search under like catches per game and stuff like that on CFB stats, he doesn't even show up because he only played the three games. So it's not like even though he would have had like been one of the Big Ten leaders in that. So those sorts of things, I think, almost to help the candidacy for someone like Bell. And if also you, Rashad Bateman opting out. 
I think that is interesting too, because he played a good portion of the season before he opted out. Um, I didn't even end up voting for him. I kind of felt like if you walk away, I'm not really blaming you, but I also felt like as a tiebreaker, I'm probably not voting you very high on these lists. He played five games. That's a little harsh. I mean, he played five games. Minnesota was a cluster. What did he, he opted out of one game, right? Didn't he opt out of the last game? Because they had two games canceled. He played five, so he opted out of one game. Yeah, but he wasn't like someone who was going to be first team for me either. You know what I mean? He, he was in that mix. Did you vote three teams? Yeah. So you're, you're voting for six receivers. So beyond Bell and Freifogel, but Bateman is fifth in the Big Ten, 94 receiving yards per game. Uh, and... Jahan Dotson from Penn State, who Ohio State fans saw up close how good that guy is. He has 87 receiving yards per game, and he has six touchdowns in eight games. Um, those are pro- – it feels like to me those are the six best guys. I mean, unless you're trying to do something with Rondale Moore. What Fillier, who's a really good receiver, on yeah. only 60 yards per game, though. Three touchdowns and seven – Three touchdowns in seven games, 60 yards per game. He made one of your three teams? Yes. Now, listen, you, you're the one who created a whole category on the Madness podcast that is like Doug rips Nathan's ballot, and now you're getting all offended because I'm pointing out the fact. I'm not offended. Fact- I'm, just, I'm just, I mean, you've, you've, you've done this before. I mean, you know that it's, you make hard decisions. The guy who's 13th in the Big Ten in receiving yards per game, you voted him one of the top six receivers, and you paused for like seven seconds for when I asked you about it. You're mad. Don't be mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. No, that sounds like mad to me. Uh, So your guess, when it comes out, when it is revealed and the offense is on Tuesday, who will the two first team receivers be? Let's make a bet. Let's make our guesses. I think it it might just be Wilson and Olave. I bet you it's not. I bet you it is Wilson and then either – Bell or Freifogel. And by the way, Bell just has a lot more catches. Bell has 53 catches in six games, whereas Wilson has 34 in five games and Olave has 36 in five games, which is like, okay, well then they have, you know, Freifogel and Olave and Wilson all have greater yards per catch. Bell's average reception is only 11.8 yards, but he has 53 catches. He has eight touchdowns. And in six games. So he leads the Big Ten in receiving touchdowns. He's he's pretty famous. People know who he is. And Freifogel fell off enough. My guess is that it'll be Wilson and Bell first team, Olave and Freifogel second team would be I my think guess. You, you might be right. And it, it may just be a thing where maybe not all of us would look at that and say, well, but then what would – either Wilson or Olave's numbers have been if the other one wasn't around for the first three games of the year, which is what Bell had with Rondell Moore, where he wasn't around at the start of the year, and he was the target monster for those early games. Right. It's one of those things, again, it's like, are you helped by having fewer good teammates? So you have more to do, so your stats are better, but are you a better player? I mean, that's that's where we land on this stuff, and I'm sure some people will get mad. Um, Garrett Wilson, I just, you know, I don't, Garrett Wilson is, is respected nationally. So, I mean, that, that people realize what that guy is and Chris Lave is too. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see how it shakes out. I just think it's, uh, I think sometimes people don't want to vote for all the good players from the best team. I, I think that factors in 20%, you know, I mean, they're not blind to it, but if it's like, all right, well, it's close. 
I'm not going to pick the two guys from Ohio State. I'll pick one on the first team, one on the second team. Well, and, and last year they couldn't, you couldn't avoid it. Like there was just so much talent on both sides of the ball. Like you just had to vote for all those guys. Whereas this year, it, it Ohio State, I, I think, just doesn't have. It, it's not going to be as top heavy with like first team obvious guys. You know, with last year it was just like you started your ballot with like Okuda and Young and Dobbins and Fields and three or four other guys, you know, that I'm forgetting, like they all had to be first team guys. And this year that it's not quite as automatic. Yeah. I mean, I really think, I mean, no offense to anybody else, but I think, I think there are just like among like truly, truly special guys who have played at a special level the whole year. I think Ohio state has three guys and it's the quarterback and the two receivers. And so you know, if, if that's how you reflected, okay, Ohio State's the best team. They're the only team in the conference that's a playoff contender. They're the only undefeated team. How do you reflect that on an all-Big Ten team? I think you, if to be like, well, what are we going to do? Put the quarterback and both receivers first teams? Like, yes, that's who they are. I think that would make complete sense. So they're obviously going to have the quarterback. They're going to have at least one receiver. I just don't know if they'll have two. When you vote like this, do you attempt to reflect – how the season played out, which were the most important teams, which were the best teams, which were the players that contributed to the best team. If you got done with the first team and just it so happened that you had four guys from Rutgers and two from Indiana, would you be okay with that? Or would you feel like, well, no, that doesn't really reflect it because Indiana has been like the breakout team. They deserve more than two guys. They should have more than – Rutgers or Maryland or Illinois or whatever, or do you just go by the dudes and you just who you think the best players are? That's it. I think it would give me pause. I think I would go back and like sort of look back and say, am I sure about this? That'd be one of the things that would in your, in your, the scrutiny you're trying to put into your ballot to be like, okay, are you sure that that balance is correct? And again, um, it could be that you have more first team guys from Rutgers, but then maybe like no second and third team guys. And then a bunch from those other teams, you know what I'm talking about? They could just be a weird thing that works out and when you start talking about all the positions you know return specialist kicker punter all that stuff so um but yeah no I think that is a good point and I think it is something you take into account because um there has to be you can't I, I definitely I definitely look at it almost the other way where if I get to the end and I'm like like wait a second like um I'm picking like you know how many Michigan defensive players really should there be because that wasn't that good of a defense like that sort of thing yeah no I think that makes sense I think it is fair for it to be a reflection of the season expressed through individual awards. I think that's, I think that's fair to do. Uh, all right. We'll come back after this rundown who we think might make it on defense from Ohio state. You're listening to Buckeye talk. All right. Back on Buckeye talk. We'll speed it up a little bit. Defensive line. Um, this Davion Nixon guy from Iowa is like a, is like a monster. So he's going to be one of the tackles and then quitty pay at Michigan at defensive end is going to be like a first-round pick. I think he's going to be one of the ends. Could Ohio State guys factor in there, though? Like, could Jonathan Cooper factor in? Could Haskell Garrett factor in? I would say Haskell Garrett has played at the level of a first-team All-Big Ten defensive tackle, but I don't know exactly beyond Nixon who the other candidates are. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those guys should be – I think Garrett and – or yeah, Garrett and Togai should be first or second team in some combination – um, and I would, I think there's a chance that someone like Zach Harrison could even sneak onto this list just because his pro football focus grade is so good. And, and people are starting to look at things like that more. 
but in terms of the raw numbers, um, they're not there. You know, people start going looking at sacks and stuff like that, just because the way they rotate and the way that um, they've only played five games and he hasn't had that many sacks. So, um, but I would think that I would be shocked if Garrett and um, and Togai and actually Jonathan Cooper, I think, has a good chance of being on there somewhere. Cooper, so, uh, Cooper before Harrison. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Garrett has a shot? I mean, I'm looking here at tackles for loss. He is not really up there at all. He doesn't really have any. Um, not compared to some of these other guys. What uh, Do you think Garrett or Togia has a shot at first team? Or if you had to guess, will Ohio State have an all-Big Ten first teamer on the defensive line, yes or no? I'm going to guess yes, but probably only one. I think you're right. I think it's going to be – I think Nixon will get a lot of support. I think – Pay will get a lot of support. I think Jason Owe from Penn State, um, and and maybe even Shaka Tony. There's some name guys who just have those names out there. Um, and but I think Garrett and Togiai have have done enough this year and are showing up on, especially Togiai showing up higher on draft boards and things like that. I, I think that name is out there too. I think that might be enough to to get him uh, enough votes to sneak on. Okay. Linebackers, Pete Werner, first team All Big Ten. I think it, he might end up being first team All Big Ten because again, he's a guy that Ohio State is pushing really hard for that. Um, I, I voted McFadden and Sanborn and uh, Sanborn from Wisconsin and Simmons from Michigan State. McFadden from Indiana. Those were my top three, but Werner um, was my second team. And I actually there, I was even sort of changing from just the the, the vote that we did last week. But um, further reflection on that, Ryan Day talking about he's playing better than, as good as any linebacker in the country maybe that influenced me a little bit um the fact that Ohio State is pushing him above all of the defensive players is like the guy that they're really trying to showcase um I put him as a, a second team vote yeah it's hard there's some pretty good linebackers I mean you mentioned McFadden from Indiana Patty Fisher from Northwestern right uh Antoine Simmons from Michigan State I think is a sure thing first team all big 10 and, and and I think I just think it might be I think Warner's in the mix I think he'll probably be no worse than second team but I'm not, I'm not sure that he's – I don't think he's a slam dunk for first team. Um, I think he's in the mix. I think, I think Antoine Simmons is probably a slam dunk, and then maybe McFadden's a slam dunk. Because, again, you're trying to reflect – okay, you're trying to reflect things. Well, as good as Penix and those receivers were at Indiana, and Penix isn't going to be first team, Freifogel maybe will or won't. But, like, Indiana's defense has been a crucial part of this. And isn't Micah McFadden – is he the best candidate on Indiana's defense for this? Um, maybe I think there's, there's, uh, I think there are some people at IU that would even put up some like a Taiwan Mullen for something like that. Um, what position does that, does he play? He's a defensive back. Um, but I, I, the, the interesting thing about McFadden is again, stats are a part of this. People do look at that as we do, as we have just been on this thing. And McFadden is interesting because he's like his tackle numbers and he has a decent chunk of sacks and even has a couple interceptions. He like checks a lot of boxes. If you're trying to look across the board, as far as like his defensive contributions. So he was um, someone who was on like high on my list, as far as the linebackers in this conference this year. And then I think you go to the secondary, um, this Brandon Joseph guy from Northwestern at safety, I think is a slam dunk first team guy. I don't, I don't know who else. The, the other safety from Northwestern, Greg Newsom, I think is a pretty good player. Um, I don't know if you'd go, you know, both safeties from the same school. But Sean Wade's in the mix, right? I mean, do you think Sean Wade will be first-team All-Big Ten? 
I, he might just because of his, again, his name recognition, he did get a couple picks there. The pick six against Indiana is kind of one of those moments that people will remember. He was a, a second team vote for me. I voted um, Shakur Brown from Michigan State, Tywan Mullen from Indiana, Newsom, and um, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. Um, and there's a couple other guys. I think, you know, Riley Moss has had a good year for Iowa. Um, Indiana's got a, a couple of guys. I mean, their, their whole secondary has actually played pretty well uh, for most of the year. So. Um, I think he's in the mix. This is one of those, in, this is one of those instances too, where it's like, we see those guys up front and we see that like, Oh, maybe he didn't have the smoothest transition from slot to, um, to the outside. And that like lowers his performance in our estimation, but he's probably still better than the other cornerbacks in the big 10 or most of them. Right. I mean, so, obviously. So it, it's one of those things where sometimes you know, people think that like, oh, you're only voting for, you vote for your local guys or it's like a Homer kind of thing, but really it works as often. It probably works in the other direction. No, most of the time it doesn't. It should. I a hundred percent agree with you. If you're a good beat writer, you know, your team so well, you know, everybody's flaws. And when you see everybody else from afar, you see highlights, you hear the good things. And so you're sometimes harder on your own guys, but there's a lot of people who are homers. So I think I didn't say Shakur Brown. You mentioned Shakur Brown. He's a probably a sure thing. He's one of the corners right? So it's like, would Sean Wade be the other corner? I think he's probably in the mix for that. And just who he was coming into the year, he did have the humongous pick six against Indiana, which is totally legit. I mean, if that's the game you watched Ohio State play this year, that guy changed the game. He saved the game by do. And then it's like, he's confirming. It's like, okay, well, yeah. I mean, he gave up a couple of throws against Penn State when Jahan Dotson made some crazy catches, but money time in their toughest game of the year, Sean Wade had a pick six. Like that's pretty in a game in a year where Ohio State's only played five games to go on. That's a pretty good argument. So let's let's finish up with like go ahead. What you for, just real quick for the DBs and for the defensive line, you're just voting for twelve guys, four on each team. They don't have you split it up between edge and tackle and between corner and safety. So I think a lot of people probably do try to balance it out. So you're not just putting four safeties on first team or whatever with your vote, but they don't ask you to do that. So there is some leeway there. So would you, do you want to reveal who are the six Ohio State guys for sure that you voted for first team, or would we rather do who we think will be first team? I already texted the, the, the six people that I voted for. So our tech subscribers have that. Um, but it was Fields, Wilson, Olave, uh, Togi, I, Garrett. And Wade? Who am I forgetting? Oh, Munford. Oh, Munford. Okay. All right. So you, those are the six you voted for. Four on offense, the quarterback, two receivers, and the left tackle, two on defense, the two defensive tackles. You voted for them ahead of, the, of Nixon from Iowa, or you put three tackles on? Um, I got to be you honest know. with you. I, I'm trying to look back at my ballot, but it's they, the way that they – the way they listed it, I, it's hard for me to tell exactly who I voted for because I, I think I, yeah, I think I did. I think I did. I think, and then I think I had OA and pay as my ends on, on my first team vote. Okay. So you, you think you did, you did not vote for Nixon from Iowa. I think he was my, he was second team vote. Okay. Um, who do you think is going to make it? Let's do who we think is going to make it. We think Justin Fields is going to be the quarterback. You officially think the receivers from Ohio state will both make it. Yes or no. I mean, the point you're making makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I think they should. 
I think they. That's, I think they. We should. already did. Should you? We did. We have your vote. We already. I'll say have one show. of them. One of them will make it. So Which we'll one? say Wilson makes it. That's what I think too. I think Justin Fields and Garrett Wilson will be first team. Who do you think? Well, other guys will be first team. I think Wyatt Davis will be first team. I think you're probably right. And then, do you think anybody else from Ohio State will make first team on offense? Yeah. Do you think Munford or Petit Frere will make it? I think. Yes, I think Munford might make it because I think again people look at the at the the PFF votes and um, or the PFF rankings and he's really high there. Um, a guy that whose name is kind of already I think known a little bit in the Big Ten just because he's been around so long. I think he might make it. I'll agree with that. Who do you think will make it on defense? You voted for Togiai and Garrett. Probably one of the tackles. Will make it? Yeah, it's probably it's going to be one of the tackles, and it might be Togiai again just because he's the one that actually has draft buzz and stuff. More he so had than three, three sacks against Penn State, which people right. do. Right. I um, think you might be right on that. I think I might agree with that, even though I would vote for Garrett ahead of Togiai. Yeah. Uh, will Pete Warner make first team, yes or no? I'm going to say yes. I think he gets edged out by some of those other guys we talked about. Um, and then I think Sean Wade makes first team. I think he's sort of like the other corner uh after after the the michigan state i think sean wade makes it yes or no i think yes i think just based on reputation and again it, it's one of those things where like he hasn't had some kind of abysmal season no and it's not i mean it's not only based on reputation he had a, he had a little bit of a yeah. rough he's couple plays and but he's played well the last couple weeks and he's a very talented player yeah all right so in the end you are predicting seven and our do drew christman is drew christman have a shot at punter um, he might have a shot because I think like a kicker, it's the, the guy from Iowa. I think is going to run away with that. Yeah. At, at punter though, it's a little bit more. And there wasn't like, to me, just like a super standout guy. Uh, Iowa has a good one. Tory Taylor, Michigan's Brad Robbins is decent. Um, I think Chrisman is in that mix and it may just, I don't know that there's like a runaway choice. I think Illinois kick punters decent. Yeah. Tory Taylor, Tory Taylor was somebody that I think you have to pay attention to. He averages, uh, 44.1 per punt. Chrisman averages 45.2. Chrisman's net isn't quite as good, although that's also kind of a team stat. So I think that's close. I think Chrisman has a shot, but I would probably lean that Tory Taylor will get the nod. So I will not predict that Chrisman makes first team. Will you predict that Chrisman makes first team or no? No. Okay. So then you have seven predicted. I have six. We agree on Justin Fields, Garrett Wilson, Wyatt Davis, and Thayer Munford. We agree on Tommy Togiai and Sean Wade. You have Pete Warner. I say Pete Warner gets edged out in the linebacker mix. Um, and again, we're, we're predicting how we think people will vote. So that will come out offense Tuesday, defense Wednesday, special teams and some other awards, and the coach award on Thursday. You voted for Tom Allen for the coach I award? Did. Yeah. Who I had to do it. Allen, Fitzgerald, and Day were my three. They're the, I mean, there's no other. I mean, I guess Craig, Greg Schiano is actually a candidate. Uh, actually, for real. I think he's a candidate down ballot. I, don't, I wouldn't vote him. I think Tom Allen's clearly the number one vote there. I mean, what, yeah, I what he's done to, to, to drive them into a top 10 program. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think he'll, he'll be the overwhelming choice there. Um, okay, that's it. That's our predictions for all Big Ten. Read Cleveland.com slash OSU. We'll have that information up there on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday when it happens. Signing day is Wednesday. We'll talk about that a lot on the Thursday pod. The Wednesday pod, we'll, we'll plan to break down uh, Ohio State Northwestern a little bit more. And uh, and then the Friday pod, we'll preview the game and make our picks. So 
We're giving you this one extra this week just because it's a big week. It's a big, big week. So make sure you're reading. Make sure you're listening. Make sure if you, if you have any interest in the text, again, great time to try it right now at 614-350-3315. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>